It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. This episode, as are many of our episodes for the rest of the year, all the way to the Super Bowl, brought to you by our partner here, the Lockdown Podcast Network, Blue Chew. So you can expect to hear Joe making some more, hopefully, funny jokes about Blue Chew in our promotion for them. There will be a deal that will be going on uh, as it has been. You can get, what is it, we give them a trial? Yeah, and I think it's free. You just pay $5 for shipping. So we can look forward to that as well. As always, you can get the podcast on the Himalaya Podcast Network as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And just remember to tell your smart device, get in the habit, play podcast Locked On Bengals. It'll it'll find us and it'll put that on for you real easy. And you can listen to us and we'll know you've listened to us and everyone will be happy. And that's it. And, and you know, for Blue Chew to... Uh, renew their subscription or their sponsorship i should should say you know those listeners that were saying that they don't need it or don't don't want it jake i think uh they're fooling us because they, they must be subscribers themselves just like i am and and that's perfectly acceptable <laughs> i think that we need to remove the stigma i i agree let's now that they're partners with us let's make everybody happy you know that's all we're after that's it. Father's Day, Jake. You doing anything fun this weekend? I called my dad, told him happy Father's Day today. This is totally unrelated to our sponsor, of course. He and <laughs> my mom are back in Cincinnati, back there for the summer. But they're coming up to Canada to visit me in August, so I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. I, I hear they might be on their way out of Cincinnati, though, Joe. So if we're going to go to a Bengals game, this is a year if we want so, a place to stay for free. You mean moving? They're, they're going to leave. Yeah, they they they're retired now. They can go anywhere. That's right. One day, right? Thirty years from now. Well, when we get there, it'll probably be forty years from now. Yeah, we'll we'll see. That's a big old we'll see. You have a pension going? Yes, and a four hundred one k and all that. There you go. Doing retirement I, right. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> you feel like you don't know in our age group, right? When we get there, if it's there. Well, Social Security might not be. Right. Exactly. Anyway, the Bengals do anything this weekend? Nope. No. No. The Bengals John Ross, in the offseason? Yep. Yes. It looks like John Ross may have officially changed his number. Um, this is something we mentioned a few times, but he was seen taking pictures and promotional shots and all that, wearing number 11. So it looks like it is official, even though it is still not official on the website and the team hasn't said anything. 
Here's, now, here's an impromptu question for you. Did you want to finish okay. something else there? I was going to ask you, do you remember the rules? Like, do you have to buy all the old number 15s? Who oh. was this before they tried to do this? I have no idea. Was it Keith Rivers? I don't keep up with the numbers the way you do. Oh, it's very important to their I, success. I, I, yeah, all right. One day, one day I'll go look into that and disprove it. I was going to talk about Lou Anarumo. Okay. Uh, one thing we didn't really talk about a ton last week is that there are a lot of Bengals players that have been pretty effusive in their praise of Lou Anarumo, and he's drawn some comparisons to Mike Zimmer. Are you selling right. it or are you buying it? Well, I use that comparison also on my Lone Ranger podcast okay. there in the middle All of the right. week. Because of the way the players were, were speaking, and I, I brought up the comparison to Terrence Newman um, coming over from Dallas and saying how Zimmer really put the pressure on him, knew how to coach him, demanded a certain level of play, and was right behind you to let you know when you're doing something great and when you're doing something bad. So, and, and you know, he, Zim, we know Zimmer is he cut the bullshit and let you know exactly what you were doing right and wrong, and players respected it. He was very well liked, Mike Zimmer was. Players were willing to fight on hills for him at the very least. And if you get the same thing out of Lou Anarumo, that means you have excellent leadership. Now, whether the X's and O's work the same way as they did with with Zimmer, well, we'll have to wait and see about that. But at least if there is that sort of buy-in, and I'll use the word communication because I know Zach Taylor would use that word, that is a good foundation for building a defense that needs to rebound from a tough year with Terrell Austin. Yeah, for sure. And the, the, you say if the X's and O's are there like they were for Zimmer. Zimmer probably was the – the. Ow, how do you say this? He, the last 10 years of defense around the league, I think he really set the foundation for it. After like Dick LeBeau and the Steelers and their 3-4 fire zone scheme kind of went away because you couldn't stay in your base defense anymore, Zimmer really showed how to generate pressure with a front four with that double-A gap look and, and – um, every team used it after that. And now I think we're on the verge of seeing something new. Yeah. Hopefully it is this, this uh, whatever the Bengals got brewing here, hopefully they're in the, on the cusp of that. But uh, I, imagine, I would say Zimmer the last 10 years. Imagine if Lou Anarumo is the innovator that changes the NFL's defensive approach and gets everybody copying him. That'd be something. A defensive I mean, that, backs coach. Yeah, right. I mean, what position would you say would have that ability? What position coach? Yeah, if you were to say a defensive position coach is going to come up, I mean, would you look at it and say, well, linebackers? And I wouldn't because I think linebackers get phased out more than anything. Um, I wonder if defensive line are too specialized where the defensive backs, they know everything in front of them. And they may have the most – they deal with the most versatility on the offensive side. And they are starting to become more versatile in their own players between nickel guys and safeties and linebackers even. And that fits the narrative in my head, which is the defensive backs are really setting up all the players in front of them for success as well by being in the right place at the right time and making the quarterback think that extra beat. And Mike Zimmer did get excellent play and continues to get excellent play from defensive backs, and that is the foundation of his defense, which has always had guys that get pressure too. But you attribute some of that success to the cornerbacks, although he's he's developed elite, elite players on the defensive line. And to some extent, he's developed very, very good linebackers, both yeah. here in Cincinnati and in Minnesota. So Barr and Kendricks in Minnesota right now. He's had success all over the field, but I, I think he, his specialty, I, I've called him on Twitter before, a secondary wizard. 
Oh, yes. The, the first thing you expect to see fixed, I expected to see fixed when he went to Minnesota was, well, now that secondary is going to play well. And Terrence Newman at 47 years old, maybe he's 63 now, I don't know, is, is still playing excellent football. Well, he's getting social security. For his age. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, yes, and then Harrison Smith, you know, as soon as Zimmer yeah. got there, he was like a good prospect already. He yeah. went in the first round, right? But um, yeah. He instantly became an all-pro type player when Zimmer got there. And Xavier Rhodes was good. But but yes. then he, he did go out and he missed on a Michigan State guy. Well, Trey Waynes, is, is Waynes a complete miss or just all the Michigan State guys for are just burned down? For a first-round pick? For a first-round pick, Denard, right? he's worse than Darquez Denard. Well, actually, maybe not. But he plays outside, doesn't he? Yeah, so isn't that better? I mean, but isn't he's that worse than playing outside. Right, <laughs> So what are we saying, right? Yeah. <laughs> Denard was on the outside. Uh, we might be ready to burn it all down also. Yeah, that Michigan State secondary that everyone thought was going to be good. Justin Lane this year, 2019. Who drafted him, though? Didn't didn't Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. <laughs> so they're, yeah, so they're going put that him. out of your mouth right away. All right. I'm on sorry. that note, let's take our first break because I don't want to talk about that anymore. No. No, we'll be right back. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. And now that we're in the offseason, the stretch, the home stretch of getting to training camp, six weeks, right, Jake? We're going to have to figure out some fun things to do to keep you guys interested. It's not going to be um, just Bengals news. It's going to be original, hopefully, content to listen to. And Jake's got a good idea. Or actually, it was from Logie513, wasn't it, that shot the idea out there. But you're going to man this. You're going to run this because I know nothing about Dungeons and Dragons. And you say the Bengals and their story in the AFC North could apply to a D&D game. Tell well, us you, how, Jay. You can make anything into a Dungeons and Dragons story. And and some of you in our mentions say, I don't know anything about D&D. This is over my head, all this stuff. You don't need to know about it. It's not going to play out like a D&D game. It's just going to be as fun, hopefully fun, fictional story that we're going to fill five minutes an episode with. Or maybe not every episode. We'll see about that. And it's going to be Who Day, the Tiger, and the the closest thing resembling Who Day, the Tiger, in the D and D world is a race called the Tabaxi. They're just like cats. Everything you would expect a cat to be good at, they're good at. They're very fast. They're pretty sneaky. They can use their claws as weapons. Uh, what are some of the other? Do you remember any of the other things I told you that are cat like? Reflexes. They were sneaky. Things like yeah, that. They're, they're agile. They can see at night. They, yeah, they can see well at night. They can see in the dark. They, they're agile. They're charismatic. So these are all the features of a tabaxi, or or in this case, our Bengal tabaxi, who is going to be Day, the character, adventuring through the, AFC, the world of the AFC North, trying to vanquish evil dogs and possessed miners and, you know, pesky birds and stuff you know ravens a flock you know of saying? ravens a flock of this ravens. reminds me of this uh you ever get the, what are those the, the children's books that have the gold um 
Oh, I'm trying to remember. They, they, the binder, the binding is gold on it. And it, it's a, they're old books that you, everyone's probably read them, but they come in like a set of five. And the last one is blank in the set that I got. And this was like when my son was born. Yeah, 09. So 2010, he was born. And I took that blank one and I started writing a, um, the story of the 2009 Bengals and drawing th- their opponents as all these like, um, like hulking beasts. Like the first yeah. game was the Broncos and Brandon Stokely. And it's a picture of the tip pass, Brandon Stokely running down. Mm-hmm. And the Broncos are all like these muscular stallions. And the Bengals, each individual player is wearing a Bengals jersey, but they are, um, they're like, cute cuddly animals because it's, it's children's story <laughs> right. so and the, the steel workers one is pretty good though or the the steelers one is good because that's what they are they've got these iron beams on their shoulders and hard hats and mm-hmm. gritty teeth and flannel shirts on yeah and, and all we're doing with this is we're going to tell a story and we're going to we're going to work our way maybe through the schedule and pass some time so we'll make up a bad guy for each team maybe be, the, the afc north teams will be recurring opponents and then Maybe we'll put together, I don't know. We'll see what we do. But we do have a poll going right now that will let you get some input on how the character plays. Right now, there's 24 hours left on the poll at the time of recording. This is at 8.30 Eastern time at this particular moment. Uh, Right now, winning is the quote-unquote sneaky assassin, which I think fits a cat pretty well. Being agile means you're generally pretty sneaky. And, uh, you know, you can put together an assassin kind of class. Yeah. This in the D&D world is a type of rogue, which is the way we would do that then. My so cat's th- name is Rogue. Right. So there's, there's a connection there for Joe. And think like Assassin's Creed, right? Like jumping yes. into haystacks and stuff. Because that's really the best part of the game. Jumping from a tower, falling 75 feet into a haystack unharmed. That's about three feet tall. Uh, the second option is a dedicated fist fighter. So this would be somebody that doesn't use weapons, a martial artist. Um, in the D&D world, this is a monk. I think that describes the Bengals. Not using every weapon at their disposal and deciding that my hands are better than whatever weapon is out there. This is potentially one way to look at it. The third option that we put out there was a weapon master, which means we would pick a weapon that we thought would best suit the character. Ooh. And then we could say that that guy would be a lot of fighter. That. Yeah. You could have a lot of fun with a lot of things. Somebody got in our mentions and said you could create an item called a heart shield. And when you okay. use a heart shield, you have minus one to your armor class. And that means your armor class just is a number that determines how easy or hard it is for you to get hit by an attack. All right. So Bobby Hart, the Bobby Hart shield makes it easier for you to get hit, but makes big... People that makes people that like really big guys look more favorably upon you. So in the D and D world, this would mean that you're more persuasive or more able to get what you want from people that like big guys. Okay, right, and that's a trait that people you encounter will have that they like big men. I, I guess so. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're in the NFL world, right? So there's going to be offensive line coaches gotcha. out there, just like Jim Turner, who are going to be like, "Oh yeah, you. Yeah, I see you've like, got a Bobby Hart there." I'll, right. I'll, I'll do exactly what you're asking me to do Impressive. or I'll help you or whatever it is. Yeah. So they're going to gas up our Bengals, even though no one else wants this Bobby Hart shield. And we're like, we got this Bobby Hart shield over here. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. I know like four people have died while using this shield, but it's going to be better <laughs> this time. This next battle is going to be really good. Yep. 
uh, something like, like that. that. There is a write-in option. So the caveat here is if something wins, but we get some really good write-in discussion, I might just say, you know what? I like that write-in answer, Joe. And I might talk about it and be like, oh, I really like this idea of, you know, somebody said um, a guy in an RPG who doesn't know how to spend his skill points or upgrade from the level one stick he started out with. Like <laughs> which would be a little depressing but you know if we get good ideas and good uh good it's like the bengals fighting with just a torch yeah uh, another guy said i'm thinking of wizard we're gonna need some magic to win a playoff game oh yeah um another another person said a bard which is very frustrating but a guarantee that things will get weird that doesn't really have anything to do with the bengals but you get the idea if you have an interesting idea feel free to throw it onto that poll so what are we going to do? Like every day spend like five minutes on this? Just roll the dice a couple times and see what happens? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah, not going to be... I'm new to this also, so but I'm open-minded to see uh, where... I, I think we can have fun with the story in this. Yeah, it's not going to be like a full-fledged Dungeons & Dragons adventure. It's going to be like very specifically catered to just tell a fun little story of, oh, we're going to go out to Seattle, we're going to go out west... We're going to okay. end up in a coastal town and, oh, look, there's a there's a giant bird flying over the sea. He's coming at you. What do you do? And it's going to be and like that. Have you seen a, a seahawk in real life? No. They're giant. How big are they? Well, I didn't see it up close. I saw it on top of a building when I was in Key West and, now, and I looked it up online to see what it was. And they've got a different name. I'm trying to remember what it is. It starts with an O, but now I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, they're Osprey. pretty big. Yes, that's it. Yeah. You're on it, man. Your Google skills are quick. Yeah, you're pretty good on your phone. We've talked about this. They are a large rafter reaching more than 24 inches in length and 71-inch wingspan. Yeah, it's pretty big. bird. 70-inch wingspan. That's that's a six-foot wingspan on... on Right, I was going to say, that's your size. Six-foot wingspan on a two-foot-tall animal. Our wingspan is supposed to be our height, though, right? Yeah, everyone's pretty close to a square. Gotcha. So uh, we were also going to take a couple minutes to look at some of the reactions to our questions. We've never done this before. We've never looked at people following up on the questions we asked them, uh, or questions they asked us. Andrew Dockerl asked one question of us, and we looked at his picture for the first time in detail. You remember where he's catching the ball between his eyes? And he says that he did, in fact... Catch that ball it was an interception that he caught between his thighs, and he also did sit out the next drive. So I nailed it. Did you see the pictures of him losing when they lost in the uh, European finals? I think they he said they were six and zero, and then he's got a picture of him. He can't get his feet down in the back of the oh, end zone. Oh, is that what's going on there? Yeah. If you see it, he looks. The first picture looks like he's got it, and then it must have carried him just a little too far because he doesn't get that other foot down. I was trying to figure out what I was looking at in this picture. Yeah, at first it looked like he was circling the guy on the sideline, but then if you look at it yeah. in succession. Yeah, about a foot a foot out of the end zone. That's that's rough. Yeah. But, uh, yes, I, I agree. We don't normally go back over. Some, we get a lot of replies after the Friday mailbag or during the weekend, and people listen to it and they want to chime in. One guy said, how do we forget C.J. Uzama on the basketball team? And did we forget him? I mean, we had so many big guys between. We, we Didn't we take Tyler Eifert? Who do we, we end did. up taking? We took AJ, Tyler Eifert, Carlos Dunlap, Andy Dalton, and then one of the receivers. And Eifert. Did you say Boyd? I, I didn't say Boyd. Was Boyd the okay, other Okay, Boyd, Boyd was the other receiver. Right. And then if we were to say another seven guys, 
I think you could definitely get Uzama oh, yeah. in there because I think you want the tight ends. Was, yeah, Give me all the probably, tight ends. You probably take all of them, and they'd be your your forwards off the bench, your centers off the bench. Uh, yeah. Willis might be another big guy you bring off the bench. You probably want like Jesse Bates in there. Um, sure, hmm. Jeff Driscoll's athletic. I wonder how how good he'd be yeah. as a uh, backup point. Yeah, I think Joe Mixon would probably be. A I bet Alex Erickson's got a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of good athletes on the Bengals that could probably be good at basketball. But CJ Uzama and your starting five, we needed some guards. Yeah, that's it. That's all it is. I mean, you're, you're, you, were you going to take Eifert, AJ, or or Dunlap off the team for Uzama and your starting five? I'm not. And maybe you could say Boyd, but I I feel like another athlete, if we're playing another team that's got an athletic shooting guard, let's, let's say we're going against Odell Beckham Jr., right, on the Browns. And do we want Uzama trying to check him? I don't, no. I don't. Right. Then, you want, I then want... you want William Jackson. You want William Jackson to be your defensive specialist. Sure, him, he's got him, some length in him too. Him and Jesse Bates. That'd be fun. Yeah. We're going to take a break now, and then we're going to come back. There are a few questions that came in late last week, and Joe did a lot of research on one of them in particular. So we'll talk about that one after our patented Locked on Bengals, Blue Chew Break, brought to you by Joe Goodberry. We'll be right back. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable... They work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Joe, you spent some time doing some research on one of the questions that came in after the buzzer last week. But since it's the offseason, I think we're probably going to go to two mailbags a week, a lot of weeks anyway. So we'll take this one late. You did a lot of research. What was the question? Well, not too much research. I didn't, make, I didn't go out of my way. But PJ Foley asks, uh, and he asks this in an entertaining way, a way I appreciate. But he, he says, quote, the Joker straps a bomb to your chest and says, you have to choose one of any past or present Bengals quarterback 
to lead a 90-yard touchdown drive, and he's going to have an average skill set around him. So uh, no one too crazy. No one, you know, it's not going to be a terrible team either. Who do you choose? Uh, and he get was it multiple choice? Well, he didn't give a multiple choice on there, actually. Oh, okay. He just said, so, any so past or present Bengals quarterback. Did you look into Carson Palmer? I did. I did bring Carson Oh, you Carson got Carson's Palmer number. So I, I, yeah, I went on pro oh, well, football hold on. reference. Before okay. you get into the stats, you let me just tell you. feelings so, first. Yeah, so so the four quarterbacks, you could maybe five. Ken Anderson, Boomer, Esiason. No, there's four. Carson Palmer, Andy Dalton. Those are the four best quarterbacks probably. Yeah. Unless you want to go back and say uh, Virgil Carter. No, who's the guy that got hurt? Greg Cook. 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 Greg Cook. Um, which Virgil is Carter. <laughs> highly speculative. Greg Cook. Blake. Uh, uh, Jeff Blake is a quarterback, sure. but I don't know if you're picking him. But I mean, if you needed it in one pass, maybe you take Jeff Blake. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right. One eighty-yard deep bomb. <laughs> Uh, but I think my feeling on this was I feel like Boomer's got a clutch gene. And I know you have all the numbers about who had the most game-winning drives and everything. But I would go with Boomer because of the clutch gene. And I'm not even a huge Boomer Sison fan. I mean, compared to other quarterbacks in the league, he, he obviously was very good for them. And Ken Anderson right. obviously was very good for them. But I think I would go with Boomer. Yeah, and if I had more time, I'd research even more. If you look up uh, Scott Cashmere on – uh, Twitter. He has a stupid long database, deep database of fourth quarter comebacks and um, especially ones that are against good teams, meaningful games. How many opportunities do you actually have? I just went to profootballreference.com. You get a lot of great stats there. And I looked up the, these four quarterbacks. How many fourth quarter comebacks do they have? And then how many game-winning drives do they have? Because that's two different things. Fourth quarter comeback, I believe, requires um, them to actually hold on to the win. So if the defense gives it up, it doesn't count. But a a game-winning drive means you took the lead. I believe it's with five minutes left to go. Uh, You you led a drive that took the lead. So whatever happens from there happens. It's out of your control, which I think makes sense. But we'll start from the, the farthest back. Ken Anderson, in his career, had 10 fourth quarter comebacks. He had uh, 14 total, so only four more game-winning drives. It, it doesn't have to be four more, I guess. I guess the, they one could represent one and the other. Like, I think it could happen in different games. Anyways, 14 for Anderson. Boomer Esiason, 19 fourth-quarter comebacks, 26 game-winning drives. So that's a lot. 26 game-winning drives is pretty good. Andy Dalton, 20 fourth-quarter comebacks, 24 game-winning drives. Again, both pretty good for eight years, and, well, you know, he missed a, a chunk of games last year, but eight years into, the, into his career, that's that's pretty good. But the leader for the Bengals, or Bengals quarterback in his career, is Carson Palmer. 22 fourth-quarter comebacks, and the, and, and the really good one is 35 game-winning drives. That means that defense blew a lot of drives that he drove down and took the lead at the end of the game. 35, yeah, that's a lot. I'm interested by the definition of game-winning drive, though, is because a game-winning drive could be in the fourth quarter where it's just a tie game and it's not a comeback. Sure. But they're tied and they go down and win the game. Let me see if I can pull up the definition for you. And I know they have it here. So, um... so they define it, a game-winning drive, as a game-winning drive led by the quarterback must be an offensive scoring drive in the fourth quarter or overtime that puts the winning team ahead for the last time. 
Now that's okay. different from fourth quarter comeback. I'm going to read fourth quarter comeback okay. just to be sure. Yeah. Okay. So comebacks led by quarterback must be an offensive scoring drive in the fourth quarter with the team trailing by one score, though not necessarily a drive to take the lead. Only games ending in a win or a tie are included. Hmm. So you have to win those games. Okay. So both of them you have to win because of what game winning drive is puts the winning team in the lead for the last time. I guess that's right. Yes. Yeah. Fourth quarter overtime that puts the winning team ahead for the last time. Yeah, so that just means that they weren't necessarily behind before ah. they went on to win the game. Right. So who so who's on top? Carson? Carson has thirty five game winning drives. And next would be Boomer Esiason with twenty six, Andy okay. Dalton with twenty four, Anderson with fourteen. Carson so I was assume pretty Dalton's gonna surpass him, right? Uh depends how many more years he gets. I'm thinking Boomer though. He's going to surpass Boomer. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, it should yeah. happen this year. If, he's he's already one ahead in in uh, fourth quarter comebacks. He's two behind in game winning drives. Is, do game winning drives have to be in the fourth quarter? Yeah, it you says, said fourth quarter overtime. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so I wonder if that. Overtime. I wonder if that includes drives that like end the third quarter on the one yard line, and then in the fourth quarter they go in for a touchdown, and then they don't lose the lead again. Right, for the rest of the game. Yeah. Or no one scores the rest of the game, and that's just it. Yeah, stats are funny. I'm sure that would count. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that's why I say Scott Cashmere will have yeah. even better rankings of this. So who are you taking? I would also like to look at I would also like to look at third down um, and fourth quarter and even maybe uh, second quarter, you know, to like, under two minute under two minute passer ratings and stats for all these guys. I don't have that in front of me, but that is definitely something I'd like to have if I were to make a complete decision based on the information we have in front of us. I I, I can make the argument that the most talented quarterback they ever had was Carson Palmer. And that doesn't obviously doesn't mean they've had the most success with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not in position to have fourth quarter comebacks unless the team around you is probably average to below or struggling to blow teams out. And I think that's definitely why Ken Anderson and Boomer Esiason are lower on this. Uh, and I think Andy Dalton's been in that position much more to have these recently. And he's done well in that. He, he hasn't been bad in those situations. I can think of a lot of times where I felt very comfortable with him on a, on a late drive. I think but that's I'm gonna... also the way the NFL has changed. I think maybe it's yes. easier to have a game-winning or comeback kind of drive now just because – offenses in that situation are often advantage i feel that way too i wonder what i wonder what the stats say yeah yeah we we should look into that we'll follow up on this because i'll reach out to scott on twitter and see what he says and uh but i think the smart choice would go you know would be say forget all the noise and and everything and just take your most talented quarterback that has done it a bunch and that's carson palmer right can't argue with that can't argue with that. I mean, you would, you could, you could look at, you could point to the playoffs and be like, let's take a guy that has a playoff win. Yeah. Well, then it really comes down to well, Palmer has one, but uh, then it probably comes down to Palmer oh, yeah. or Kenny Anderson, right? Yeah. I I mean, we're not, we're not putting Dalton. See that, and that's the thing too. I would love to consider quality of opponent, mm-hmm. uh, prime time, playoffs. Yeah. And who had a big game? Who had the most average team around him? Like Carson was throwing to Chad and TJ for most of his career. In Cincinnati, anyway. Yeah. I mean, Dalton's throwing good players. Uh, yeah. Boomer and, and Ken Anderson had good guys around them. Boomer I mean, throwing, too? Now Carl people Pickens? are going to yell at us again. No. Eddie Brown and um, Chris Collinsworth and Tim McGee. So just looking at Boomer's best year when he was an All-Pro in 1988 when they 
went to the Super Bowl, and we won't talk about the Super Bowl, but Boomer won two playoff games. He was 12-4 and four in the regular season. This tells you a little bit about the age, the error difference. He had he completed 57.5 of his passes as the all-pro quarterback in the NFL and had 28 touchdowns and 14 interceptions for a 97.4 quarterback rating, which I think, you know, era adjusted is is quite good. Really good. Yeah, it's very um, good. I think that's the one that, that him and Kenny Anderson have the two highest for uh, Bengals franchise uh, for adjusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would also, we didn't say James Brooks either. He caught a lot of passes and was a pro bowler. He had 29 receptions in 1988, and Icky Woods had 21. He was throwing to, like you said, Eddie Brown, 53 catches for 1,273 yards and nine touchdowns. Tim McGee had 36 catches for 687 yards. Chris Collinsworth only had 13 catches in 1988. So I don't know. Three years where James Brooks had 50 something catches, though. And then Rodney Holman also was a Pro Bowler at tight end in 89. So a year later. Yep, you're right. He he was a pro bowler in 88 as well. Oh, good. So two years in a row there. And so was James Brooks. They had a very good running game. Yep. Icky Woods, uh, 1,066 yards. James Brooks, 931 yards. Stanley Wilson, 400 yards. They ran for 2,710 yards in 1988 Hmm. to their opponents, 2,000. They had a good good offensive line. I mean, we know Anthony Munoz, but... I think people understand Max Montoya was good. Bruce Reimers and Bruce Kozierski, both of them were good interior guys. Yeah, they that right tackle spot though. Joe Walter in '88, and it was somebody else in '89. Fun Doesn't fact: matter. Icky Woods had eight fumbles in two th- in 1988. Can you As imagine? Can you imagine a guy getting eight fumbles worth of leash at running back in 2019? No, Jeremy Hill had a lot as rookie year though, right? Eight? No, I'm not saying he had eight. I'm just saying he had a lot of fumbles. Eight is a pretty staggering number. He had five in 2014 and three in 2015. Remember there in the beginning of 2015. I remembered it was really high. And yeah. thought that at, at his current pace, I was like, man, they're going to bench him or something. And then he ended up derailing himself, I think, with his own play. Eight fumbles on 224 touches. Okay, let's do this. Let's go back to 2010. Here's our trivia question of the day. Okay. What players had at least eight fumbles in a season since 2010? And to make it harder, non-quarterbacks. 2010. Yeah. Okay, last, non-quarterbacks. Last right. There's been quarterbacks that have had it. Sure. Easy. Non-quarterbacks Man. with eight-plus fumbles like in the last, since 2010. I don't Sorry. know if it's going to be anybody. Oh, I thought you had this in front of you. No, I don't know if it's going to be anybody. But this will be the trivia question. I don't know that it will be either. I'm going to guess nobody has that many. I am too, I think. That's so many. In in one year? I can't imagine a player staying on the field in in any of those years with that many fumbles. No, I don't know. That's wild to even even imagine that they had dealt with them and kept going with them uh, after that many. All right, let's get the answer. Should we get the answer? I want to know if he fumbled in the playoffs. Who? Think you would? Oh, I don't know. That that takes some work. No, I don't think it does. I'm gonna go. You you look for the answer. I'm going to uh, see if Icky Woods fumbled in the playoffs. Okay. All right. So players that had at least eight fumbles in a season. There are four men who had at least eight fumbles in a season since 2010. Most of them, those years, were returning kickoffs, and three of them are running backs. One of them is still active. 
Those are all your hints. If you'd like to guess, before I give you the answer, now is your last chance. That chance has passed. The only player to do it that wasn't returning punts was Peyton Hillis in 2010. Had eight Madden Peyton Hillis. Had eight fumbles for the Cleveland Browns. Was this the year he was on the cover? It's got to be. Madden curse. No, this is the year before. This is the year that got him on the cover. He had 1,100 yards. So this yards. is his bad year. This is his curse this year. A, this was his good year. This was his good oh, year. Okay. This was his best year. He had 270 carries for 1,177 yards, 11 touchdowns. He had 61 catches he was, that year for 477 he was yards. Dynamite. He was fantastic. He had eight fumbles, though, which is a huge blemish on all of that production. The other three players are less well-known I haven't heard of this guy, Preston Parker, for Tampa Bay in 2011. He yeah. uh, was a wide receiver. Yep. This He's year he had, he had 40 catches for 554 yards, and in 2011 he returned 23 punts. He yep. had eight fumbles. So, so what we learned from this exercise is that muffed punts are fumbles, and that's where it's coming from. Bobby Rainey for Tampa yeah. Bay as well in 2015. Western Kentucky University? Yep. Uh, he... He was primarily, in 2015, used only on special teams. He hardly touched the ball on offense. But in that year, he returned 29 punts, and he had eight fumbles. So they were struggling to find a punt returner, huh? I think so. The last player on the list is the one that's still active, and that's Jalen Richard in 2017. Richard, I think. Richard, I, I thought that might be the case as soon as I said it. In 2017, he had 55 carries, 27 catches, and he returned 26 punts, eight hmm. fumbles. The previous year, he returned 34 punts, had more carries, more receptions, and had zero fumbles. That's how it works. It's like drops. Drops and fumbles can be um, very unpredictable year to year. So there's your trivia question. What did you find? Oh, I didn't find anything. You didn't when find I, I, I went to go back and look to see if uh, Icky was fumbled in the, in the postseason. Then I got enthralled with your question and the uh, the ways you can fumble the ball. Uh, well, what I let you do? know, guys. Let me know if Icky Woods fumbled. Someone's going to let me know. Somebody would remember. Somebody older than us. Much, much older. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We waited to take our shots at your age until the end. <laughs> It's all no, we did it. We started that with Bluetooth. Oh yeah, we did it. We we, we <laughs> bookended it. Yep, yep, yep. We're we respect your elders, Joe. <laughs> On Father's Day. Uh, happy Father's Day, Joe. By the way, Joe has three kids. I'm sure you all know. Thank you. And they're finally asleep. Maybe. Yes. No. They are. They are now. The sun's going down. And a little bit of respite for Joe at the end of Father's Day as we close out this Locked On Bengals podcast episode. A reminder that you can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And they're also on Himalaya. Go check Himalaya out. We're brought to you today by Blue Chew. That'll do it for us here at Locked On Bengals. We'll see you next time, Bengals fans. Until then, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.